Hi, Barbara. Kristen, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Welcome back, people. Women on Top podcast. Finally, the dynamic duo is back together. Barbara, <laughs> I've missed yeah. you. I missed you too. And I escaped <laughs> jury duty, actually. I went to the selection process and, and they did not choose me. So, Now, how could they not choose you, Barbara? Well, actually, they didn't choose me because I have um, responsibility for a child who has a medical condition. Mm -hmm. So that's why I was excused. Oh, well. Yeah. So, I, I mean, it, I said thank you to my eldest son. Actually, I, I can't say too much about what the details were of the trial, but it was a murder trial. Oh. And I did not want to be involved in that, to be perfectly yeah. honest with you. I know that's like your dream come true. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> All right. That's true. It is. <laughs> but I don't want to, um, I didn't want to be involved with that. My anxiety would have been through the roof. Yeah. Yeah. Very triggering. Very triggering. I find, I listen to, uh, true crime podcast constantly. And I got to tell you, there are times when I just have to, I just have to turn it off because I feel my, I feel myself getting very anxious and that like not in my stomach. So yeah, I, I imagine that that, uh, that that would not be good. Yeah, definitely well, not. So how was your week? Oh. <laughs> Wait a minute. You know what? How was your holiday? Did you have a nice holiday? Well, we don't really do much for Easter. We're more bunny people than Jesus people. So um, <laughs> okay. I gave, I mean, you know, Jesus was a good guy and and, and what have you, but we're, uh, we don't go to church or anything like that right. uh, regularly. So we just got the boys candy and played it cool. It was relaxing. It was nice. How was yours? It was, uh, it was a Sunday, you know, I don't, um, I do not go to mass on Sundays. I typically there, I go to St. Ignatius, which is just a few blocks from my gym. And so a lot of times I'll go to a class or I'll, I'll go for my afternoon walk and I go to St. Ignatius and I'll light a candle for my dad and my sister and my mother. And I just sit and I just kind of, that's what I do. And I don't, I have always hated that Catholicism was all sort of based on, well, if you don't go to church, you're not good Catholic. I, I'm I'm yeah. a very good person. So I'm a good Catholic. So fuck you. <laughs> um, well, it, what bothers me about it is the people who think I can do whatever I want all week long, but I go to church on Sunday and I'm good Catholic. Yeah. That always bothered me. I think you can pray or worship or do whatever it is that you choose to do spiritually. You don't have to do it on a certain day, on a certain time, in a certain group. You know, I find it to be a very personal thing. So yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, what was I going to say? Something about Easter. I can't even remember at this point. So it couldn't have been uh, that important. It was this whole past weekend. The last, you know, probably four or five days have been really kind of awful, <laughs> to be honest. Um, I'll give the backstory. I wrote a post about it, but I'll give the backstory for anybody who's listening. Yeah, about uh, ten years ago. My sister was driving down to Philadelphia with um, the husband of her deceased best friend. Nothing's going on between them. They're just friends. Mm -hmm. And she was at, I don't know what brought this up, but I was telling her about a bachelorette party my company was planning and how it included, you know, like these different games and belly dancing classes and a blowjob class. And so my sister exclaims, a blowjob class. And then I hear the guy laughing in the background. Now, I've met this guy a couple of times. We've never really interacted more than a few sentences. He was the husband of my sister's best friend, and I loved this best friend of my sister. Mm -hmm. 
So about a year after this phone call happens, I get a, I get a call from him. And he's like, hey, I'm coming down to New York City. And I thought maybe we could meet up. And immediately, like, I feel grossed mm. out and yeah. really uncomfortable. And so, you know, I kind of get off the phone with him and I call my sister and I'm like, how did he get my phone number? She goes, oh, I gave it to him. And I said, you don't do that. <laughs> yeah, You don't just hand out somebody's phone number. I said, and let's be honest, Paul, you know why he's calling me. Like he heard blowjob class, and so now he's thinking he's gonna get he's gonna meet me and he's gonna get laid. Mm. And I said, and I kind of feel like you just handed me over to a predator. <laughs> yeah. So she did nothing about it because, of course. And so on Thursday, I started getting texts from this guy again, and I didn't answer any of them. And I shot my sister a text, and I said, "Why is this guy?" Why is this guy texting me? She said, I don't know, but answer him. Wow. Right? And I hmm. replied back and I said, I have absolutely no intention of responding to him just because he was so-and-so's husband doesn't mean he's not a creep. And he's a creep. And when you've been sexually abused, there's this, there's this unsettledness that you feel. Mm -hmm. It's this like, uh, it's, it's like fear and panic and shame and it's all of that together. And from, from the moment I got the first text from him on Thursday, up until still today, I'm still kind of dealing with it. I was so unsettled by it. But I was more upset. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't have been because I really, should, I, I really should know the score by now. I was more upset that I'd told my sister previously, like, he's a creep. I don't, I don't want him calling me. And I said it again, like I, I, on Saturday, I said it again. I said, I'm not, I'm not responding to this guy. And he still called, which meant my sister didn't say anything to him. Mm. And it yeah. just felt awful. So Saturday morning, my phone rings. I don't recognize the number. I answer it. I don't recognize the name. I should say I answer it. And it's him. And now I'm oh really feeling, right? Take a hint. Take a hint, you fucking asshole. And now I'm really feeling, I'm feeling creeped out. And frankly, I'm feeling scared. And so a lot yeah. of people are not going to get that. A lot of people are going to say, What's, what are you talking about? Like, you were right. safe in your apartment and he's not going to do anything. You don't understand that this is how, when you've experienced a trauma, this is, it's very triggering and you get a flashback and you're brought right back to those emotions flood back as though you're right back in that moment again. Right. So, uh, he called and I said, what do you want? Because I'm a delight as we both know. <laughs> and I said, what do you want? Yeah, I just thought I'd get together. I go, you've never showed an ounce of interest in me until you heard about those blowjob classes, you fucking creep. I go, don't you ever fucking call me again. And wow. I hung up and I threw the phone Good down. And I was shaking. I bet. I was shaking. And I was crying off and on all weekend. Like it had just opened up something with me and mm -hmm. made everything all I was I became I was just very raw and very sensitive. And so on Sunday you know, uh, Don and I had very tentative plans to get together Sunday night. And I didn't expect, I didn't plan on being able to see him. 
because he was with his daughter and his ex-in-laws and his ex-wife. And I get a text from him around quarter of seven that night. Hey, how was your Sunday? Oh, I'm not going to be able to get together tonight. Uh, maybe later in the week. And I'd had such a horrible four or five days where I felt like, you know, I kind of expect my family to suck and not be there for me because that's just been, that's just, that's our family history. Right. But I was just so pissed and so, not pissed. I wasn't angry. I was hurt. You know, seven o'clock at night on a holiday, you know, I'm alone. You couldn't have sent a fucking text earlier this morning. Just, hey, how you doing? Checking in. And I I need so little. Like, I've right. grown up so self-sufficient out of, a, it was a coping mechanism. You know, I didn't rely on anybody because I didn't have the primary caretakers during those formative years. So becoming so self-reliant and staying to myself was a coping mechanism. Right. And so to have him like just not like I had such a, I have such a small need, like just send a text. Right. Just let me know. Just let me know that I matter. And to not get that text until seven o'clock, I was just so hurt. I took the dog out for a walk and I'm processing it and walking through it. And come on, you know, you know, he's with his family and, and, or, you know, he's with his daughter and with his ex-in-laws and, you know, you know that it's, it's not, it wasn't intentional. It's not personal, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. I wasn't upset that I couldn't see him. I was upset that you did, couldn't have taken 30 seconds out of your day to send a text earlier this morning. Right. So I sent a text when I got home and I just said, um, you know, a, a, a text wishing me happy Easter would have been appreciated. I said, I always respect your time with your daughter and I never infringe upon it. Uh, but a text saying Happy Easter would have been appreciated. Uh, I, I said, I asked for very little and need even less. Please don't mm -hmm. take advantage of that. And I just said, this week is very chaotic for me. This weekend's going to be very chaotic. I said, why don't we take a breather week and shoot me a text next week if you want to get together. And uh, he sent me a text the next morning like, I just want to make sure, is this in response to the text I just sent you yesterday? And I replied back and said, yes. And he, you know, emailed or texted this morning and he's like, do you think maybe we could meet for a drink? Oh, that's good. I know. I know. Fuck. And, you know, immediately I feel bad for being hurt. And... I shouldn't feel bad because I feel I, I really asked myself, would you have gotten hurt if this whole thing hadn't happened with your sister's friend? Would you still have reacted the way you did? And and I said to myself, I, I would have been annoyed. I would have been hurt, but I probably wouldn't have said anything. Right. But he didn't know what was going on with your sister's friend. Right. Exactly. He didn't. And which is, you know... But even still, even if nothing went on with my sister's friend, I still feel like a text on a holiday when you know I'm alone, like just because I'm very self-sufficient and, and this has been something I've dealt with my whole life and that trauma survivors, we are very self-sufficient. We do know how to take care of ourselves. We know how to self-soothe, but mm -hmm. to our detriment, because we, we stop looking toward to anybody else like i know for me i don't go to anybody for help 
because I'm afraid of being rejected. You know, right. I have this thing where when I would call people, I wouldn't leave voicemails because if I didn't get a call back, I'd feel completely rejected and I'd feel all kinds of shame. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I, like I understand that he didn't know what was going on with my sister, but I still want to know that I matter, even if it's well, a 30 second text. Right. And there's also something to be said. I was talking to somebody recently about the label high functioning mm -hmm. and how it's really an illusion because high functioning is the way people perceive you. It's not necessarily how you're doing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like yes. when you say somebody has high functioning, they're high functioning even though they're an alcoholic or they're high functioning even though they have depression or they're high functioning even though they're autistic. It It doesn't tell you anything about how the person is actually doing. It just tells you how they've set up this role for other people to perceive them. Right. And it's really important to remember that. That is a very because important Because that alcoholic is still an alcoholic. Mm -hmm. Yep. You know, and it's, it's a very important distinction for people to recognize. Right. So, you know, one thing that I've kind of learned over time is... Uh, how to how to kind of coach myself through these situations because I'm what I'm really glad about is that I didn't get angry because in the past yeah. I would have gotten angry I would have lashed out fuck you you know what I don't have fucking time for this blah 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 you don't and I really made it a point to take that space and take right. that time and and walk it through and analyze it objectively um, and. You know, so we're getting getting together tonight, and I told him, I said, just know that I'm not mad. I don't want to end things. I am just really hurt, and I'll explain why. You know, and mm -hmm. the thing is, is that I need to know that I'm with somebody that um, that that makes me feel like I matter. I don't need and then, because I don't need a lot. I don't need to see you every day. I don't need to talk to you every day. Uh, we're talking like a quick text exchange. Hey, I'm thinking of you. That, like I'm an emotional camel. That will carry me for days. Right. And that's all I'm looking for, you know? And I need to know that I'm, you know, he's, we're getting, I think might be getting a little too personal here and I don't want to cross any boundaries with him. Um, I just mm -hmm. need to know that uh, there's room in my life for him. That's all. Right. And actually I was, this is something I'm dealing with myself because I was talking to um, my therapist, honestly, about being the one that's always okay mm -hmm. and being the, the sibling and the kid that always seems to have it together and how difficult that can be because it allows people in your life to dis not dismiss you intentionally. They're not like, oh, I don't give a crap about that person. They're just like, oh, she's fine. She's right. fine. Yeah. And they always have that attitude of I'll get to her later because she's not on fire. Right. And that's, you know what I mean? and I, I grew up like that. Me too. You know, exactly. Like we've had to, if for, for class, I, I, I have had to do a lot of like, um, writing about my family history and, you know, addictions in my family and, and trauma in my family. And I just finished my homework this morning. It's saying like, you know, I was the one, like my father always felt like, oh, she's fine, she's fine, she's fine. And really, like, I was probably the one that was most tortured in my family. 
right? Uh, because of what I was going through and what I was experiencing, but because I wasn't, you know, um, on fire, as you said, uh, you know, I didn't get the attention. My other right. sisters did. My other sisters who had the pain pill addictions and who had this and who had that, and there was always a drama. And I was just always in my room reading or by myself, just somehow by myself. So, um, right. Right. And I, what I, the reason I became that way is because I learned very young that my family was just never, and this includes my father, who I love dearly, was never going to be a source of emotional support. Right. And there's really nothing worse, I think, than hoping that will change. Like going back and going back, and we, we refer to it as going back to the empty well. You know, that empty well where you can drop that bucket down as low as possible. And no matter how far down it goes and you pull it back up, there isn't going to be a drop of water in there because that well is empty. And there's just no, mm -hmm. there's just no concern. You know, my sister made it very clear the other day. My, her priority was her, her friend's husband. Yeah. You know, she wasn't going to speak up because she wasn't going to, she felt that would be inappropriate. She didn't want to embarrass him, but she didn't care if like, I'm sitting here in my apartment, like having a panic attack. Right. So, and, and I just because feel- you're fine. Because you're always fine. Right. Because I'm fine. Because I'm always fine. And, you know, and I think that's really, I think it's the people who are the most fine. And we see this sort of, we see these quotes going around. It's the people that who are- the most fine that I think are the ones that need the most, like need to be checked in on. Right. You know? So. Yeah. I actually had seen a commercial for depression where they showed, you know, a happy coworker walking around talking to everybody. And then some guy kind of slumped over his desk. And in the end, the, the whole gimmick of the commercial is the one that killed himself was the one that was the happy one walking around, checking on everybody, trying to make them laugh and everything. And it made me think again of this whole situation of the person who's always fine, yep. the person you can always count on to be okay, so you don't have to get to them yet. Right. And it's it's a difficult. I mean, I've been in that position a lot in my life, and it's been it's it does leave you feeling like a small child waiting to be noticed. Yep. That's waiting exactly what it triggers. Of. Yeah. That's exactly what it triggers, and you know, that's exactly how I felt. I felt like, oh, I'm that, I'm that little girl, that terrified girl, just waiting for someone to come in and, and protect me and tell me everything's going to be okay. And, you know, you have to get to this point where you can do, where you can sort of save yourself. You know, you have, you have to get to a point where you can say, where you can walk yourself through these emotions. Because as I'm learning, trauma survivors, our ability to self-regulate our ability to um sort of uh, to regulate our emotions you know when you experience extreme trauma that affects your brain and it affects the parts of the brain that um that control the the fight or flight and or freeze mm -hmm. um reactions and you're not able to you know, that prefrontal cortex is kind of where we, that's how when we sense danger, we can kind of suss it out. Like, okay, is this really a threat or is this just, oh, okay, it's not, everything's okay. 
Mm-hmm. You know, like if someone says something to us, we're like, wait a minute, are they trying to offend us? Or, oh, no, they're just joking. Right. Someone with complex PTSD, th- that part of their brain shuts down. And instead, that that action goes straight back. And your amygdala and your hippocampus, like, whoosh, it starts producing all the hormones mm-hmm. and you start reacting. And that overproduction of the hormones damages your brain. So that's why, you know, when I got that text from D, I was like, okay, you're going to get hurt. You're hurt. You're angry. I know what you're feeling. Get out of that. Like, get away from the phone. <laughs> yeah. Smart. Go be around Very something smart. that makes you feel really good, which is my dog. Go outside. Go Just go do something that makes you feel good so that you can right. change how your brain's functioning and you can just kind of calm down a bit. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know where I was going that's with good, that though. one. That's yeah, it takes a long time. I'm doing a, uh, we're, I'm doing a series now for the podcast about you know, dating and trauma and, and what happens and when you've experienced trauma. And trauma doesn't have to be assault or, you know, going to war. It, there's big trauma and there's little trauma, the big T and the little T. And anything that causes you extreme tr- duress is trauma. So if, right. like, you've been dating somebody for two or three months and they're just an absolute mess and they've just been dicking you around and dragging you along and and leading you on, that's traumatic. <laughs> Yeah. So I agree. I've been doing this. Uh, I wrote up yesterday for the. I'm doing another installment this week about exactly what happened with D. And that we, you know, sometimes we react and we lash out because we're hurt, but because our brains have been affected. So right, it's something that I don't think a lot of people know about. And hopefully, you know, as time goes on, I'm, I'm hoping that people become more trauma informed. <sighs> yeah, I, I think that's really important because it's definitely difficult to feel like, how do you not know this? Right. How do you not right. see this? But they they just, they go through life more casually than we ever can. Right, exactly. Like we just don't have that ability. Right. You know, so, mm-hmm. oh my God, that was draining even just talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so well, I think you handled yourself well. Thank you, my friend. I appreciate that. I appreciate your support. Um, so you got the link. I, I sent Barbara a link uh, on my Facebook wall last week. My friend Sarah posted a story about, <laughs> about a really high maintenance, uh, not even a bridesmaid in a bride's party for a bachelorette party. She's just some, I think she was a sorority sister who they just didn't invite because God forbid, it's because she's crazy, I guess, or because she's just <laughs> a raging pain in the ass. And uh, I will, I'll post a link to it in the show notes and on the site. But essentially what happened is this, this woman, they, they had kind of decided not to invite her and she found out about the bachelorette party. Mm-hmm. And so she was very hurt <laughs> <laughs> and pulled out all the stops to to get an invite, and so <laughs> to <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm reading this. So she wrote sort of an email to the whole group, um, giving some sort of guidelines for the Bachelorette weekend, and some of the stuff that she said. Um, you know, she's she said, I know Vegas is known as Sin City. 
But despite this, I still have to uphold the moral code our father inscribed in my heart. Due to this, I have some ground rules that I'd like everyone to follow. Let's keep in mind, she's not even part of the bridal party. She's not even the bride. <laughs> See, I knew she wasn't the bride, but I thought she was like a bridesmaid or something. No, uh, no. She found out about the, uh, oh my. the bachelor party and she wasn't, uh, she wasn't invited and she was pissed. So, um, let's say, oh, Sunday the 12th, I have found an appropriate church and contacted the pastor explaining that we're from out of town, but we'd still like to attend services. I can't wait to share God with all of you. I think it'll be a nice way to cleanse us of our sins from that week. Oh my gosh. <laughs> That's pretty bad. Yeah. In the hotel room, no hard liquor. I don't want people getting inebriated and falling from the balcony. Also, as this is my very first time being of age and in an environment with prevalent drinking, I don't want to be tempted by those foul drinks. I am not sure how I'll react to rum or tequila or vodka. And I'd like to test these in more controlled environments. Please stick to light beer and red wines. Oh, my God. <laughs> red wines, no like white. <laughs> So I'm sure people are now getting the gist of this whole thing. And the, where this comes from is a um, one of those Facebook, um, batch, Facebook wedding shaming blogs, one of those private oh, groups God. on Facebook that shame weddings. And, you know, <laughs> we've talked about this before. <laughs> And I don't know if I've ever, yeah. I, I don't know if it ever sort of made it to air, but I fucking hate private Facebook groups. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm with you on that. I'm one. a big believer in online communities. I love online communities, right? I think right. They've, they've saved lives, no question, because they provide a community for people who might feel like they don't belong or don't have anybody whether it's, you know, a mental illness forum or whether it's, a, you know, for TV or whatever it is. I love those mm -hmm. things. I am an active member of like forums for television shows. Mm -hmm. um, what I absolutely refuse, like, and, and I've been invited to private groups and I've taken part in them or I've accepted invitations, kind of hoping and that it'll be different this time or... You know, maybe this would be a great place to talk about my screenplay or talk about, I don't know, anything. And then I get right. into these groups. And the thing that I hate most is this idea that, um, first of all, that they're going to demand confidentiality and privacy. You know, you're not supposed to post anything from the group outside the group. That's what this this wedding this wedding shaming group is about, you know, oh, don't post that anything. Well. Don't post anything outside the group. And, you know, look, <laughs> first of all, that's fine. Like, I don't feel a need to post anything or like, I, w I just I wouldn't do that. It's shitty. But right. Like they won't even let you. And, and it's not just this group. You and I belong to another group for women over 40. And they, won't you can't even talk about something that you've read in this group? Hmm. Which I'm just kind of, and and they always do the whole you know and you'd be surprised how fast it gets back to us. Like hint hint, we'll get you. 
we'll boot you from this incredibly exclusive community um, if you dare have an opinion that doesn't kiss our asses, which is exactly like they're they're perfectly okay with people talking about the group in a positive way, but you can't do it in a negative way. And right. I've actually clarified this because I've asked. I'm like, okay, so this is okay, but this isn't. And they're like, yeah. I'm like, okay, do you hear yourself? Because you're com- you're being a complete hypocrite. <laughs> so, well, there are a lot of people out there that don't want an opinion that they don't already right, have. Exactly, and that's essentially what this group is. And right. what really offends me about this group is the idea that they're going to demand your uh they're going to demand your confidentiality uh but they're also going to encourage you to come into this forum where you actively betray the confidentiality of people close to you so mm. your confidentiality like your confidentiality is super important other people's confidentiality not important at all right and that that just irritates the piss out of me because again like this whole another conversation in this group came up recently a woman posted something about her husband's erectile dysfunction and she posted it under her real identity right and there's twenty thousand members in this group and it's like honey you don't know who's in this group you don't know who's here you don't know who knows your husband and and there's always the option to post anonymously. So just post it anonymously. And, you know, somebody actually said, like, I'm very uncomfortable with how, with, like, what's being revealed here. Because if these people are going to betray the confidence of their partner, what's to stop them from betraying my confidence? Right. And all these people jumped on her. And they said, well, I mean, if this group is just isn't for you, then just pass it by. And why are you here? And, blah, 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 and it becomes Lord of the Flies. Oh, my God. Right. It becomes Lord of the Flies. But, of course, nobody can answer the, the, that very simple question. If they do right. it to their partner, what makes you think they're not going to do it to you? And they're like, well, there's, a, there's an honor code here. Okay. Again, first of all, if you're dumb enough to truly believe that in 20,000 people, no one's going to repeat anything and no one's going to post anything anywhere, um, you're an idiot. But yeah. secondly, what, what kind of a person is, is okay with, well, you know, I'm going to honor you guys. I'm going to honor your confidentiality, but not my husband's or my wife's or my partner's. Yeah, but that's how it is on Facebook in general. I mean, I see a lot of families who, you know, people will, they won't necessarily drag their ex, but they'll talk about how happy they are now and how miserable they used to be. And you look at it and you're like, your kids are going to read this someday. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe like you're friends with that person's brother or whatever. I don't know. It seems to me a little intimate to be putting out there on a Facebook, even on a Facebook page, never mind just a forum. But anybody who thinks those things are private, they're kidding themselves. Yeah, they're kidding themselves, number one. And number two, you know, I have, just to test the so-called screening process of this ridiculous group, there is none. Mm -hmm. I joined with a burner account. 
There's two questions. All you have to do, do you identify as a woman over 40? Yes. What's the last book you read? Oh, fuck it. I don't know. Like something by Danielle Steele. Who the fuck knows? <laughs> Cha-ching. I was in. I had I had an, um, a cartoon as my profile photo. I have no details filled out. Nothing. No pictures. I have, you know, some stock hmm. photo as my cover photo. I got right in. Now, you can be sure there are men in that group. Yeah. Number one. And number two, you can be sure there are screenshots of whatever's in that group all over the internet. And if you're not going to provide me or provide us with a safe environment, if you're not even going to try, here's a thought, add a link that says, hey, we need an extra link to your social media account so we can prove it's you. Something, anything. What, the last book I read? Are you serious? Mm -hmm. (laughs) <laughs> if you're not going to make an attempt just, to make this a secure space, you cannot demand yeah. confidentiality. And you yeah. certainly have no right. I don't know how you would even make a space like that in, in the age of the internet anyway. You can't. Like, you just can't. And that's the other reason, too, why, you know, a lot of podcasts have Facebook groups, but but they're private. And I'm like, nope, no. No, we're not doing that. I'm not doing a public one just because I th- I really think Facebook is going the, you know, oh my God, aging. And what if I don't get wet enough? And who's using this? And what about hormone replacement therapy? And what about this? And what about that? And I don't want to date anybody my own age because I'm too fucking fabulous and blah, 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 blah. And it's really about how do we deny the aging process? And that just mm-hmm. irritates me because that don't, I don't understand that whole thing. <laughs> what whole thing? I don't understand the whole, you know, the insistence of I don't look my age and I don't act my age and I don't, I don't, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> what is wrong with being your age that it's in, you it's in, don't want to quote unquote act it's like internalized it? Internalized ageism is what it is. You know, when I like when I there was the owner of the group posted an article about cougars. I I think it was a friend of hers that wrote it, and it was this forty-one-year-old woman, you know, basically humble bragging about how she's tagging a bunch of twenty-nine and thirty-two-year-olds, and oh, you know what? And she, and and the premise of the post was, well, men my age don't want to date women their age; they want to date younger women. Mm-hmm. And it was, she was bitching and, and, you know, and they don't want my dried up ovaries and they don't want this and they don't want my dead ovaries and blah, 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 blah. And then there was this paragraph that it comes to and it says, <laughs> you know, but even if men did my, did want to date me, I'm not really sure I'd want to date them. You know, mm-hmm. I have a sex drive of a teenage boy and I'm just climbing mountains all the time and they, they can't keep up with me. Oh, so basically you have the same biases against men your age that men have of women their age. Is that what you're saying? And somehow the men are evil and terrible, but the women are to be celebrated for being so youthful and vibrant. Right. Because see, feminism apparently makes it okay that they're being ageist, that they don't want to. And I hate anything that starts with, well, men do it. Yeah. And they suck for doing it. You know, why are we trying to emulate behavior of men that we know is bad? Right. So, yeah. Anyway, that group sucks a bag of dicks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we'll know if they listen because I'll be kicked out. <laughs> they 
can kick me out. Not if I, not that I really. Yeah, they can kick me out too. I'm already in there under like two different burner accounts because I wanted to test the the policy. The, the like if I was being referred and if I um, signed up on my own. So whatever. Yeah. So I just, I don't know. It's just, it's just a bunch of pettiness. It's, oh, my mother-in-law sucks. And this, there's a ton of stuff about younger coworkers and younger women that I can't stand. And it really is just, it's a bird book. That's all it is. Yeah. So fuck them. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're going to move we're going to move away from the whole Facebook thing because it's very upsetting for me. And there, <laughs> there was another article that I sent you from The Cut. And The Cut has this great series called The Sex Diaries. Yes. And their latest one for this week, and I think we should start covering these every week, like start doing little, like parsing them. Because not only do I find some of them like so incredibly bad, but there's little little points in there that I'm like, oh, those are those have some uh, that that's interesting to think about. Um, the one that I sent you today is just kind of this girl is very very young. Uh, this this ep- this episode of the Sex Diaries is about it's a 26 year old woman. She's a graphic designer and she's having an affair with her boss. And I think what is yes. she like 26 years old or so. Yeah, 26 straight married Murray Hill. And what happens with the series is they go through like a week. It's like a week in the life of these people. And uh, the way she, she's so proud of herself. She's like, I'm so proud that like I didn't get attached to this guy. It's like, "Uh uh-huh. And I'm so proud of, and what really gets me is how she thinks her husband like, oh no, my husband's not cheating. He wouldn't do that. (laughs) Right. You know. Yeah, that was... Yeah, she like she it hasn't even occurred to her that her husband might be cheating and she's very proud of herself for not getting attached to this guy and and how much she wants it to work out with her husband even though she's cheating. Right. But here's the thing. And I've said this before is that I believe people can cheat and still love their partners very much. Yeah, I believe that too. You know, I I don't I don't think cheating is necessarily a sign of oh the relationship's over or even that there's problems in the relationship. I I think that a I think this this is my opinion, of course. She must have I think she got young, married at what, 23? Because she's been married a couple of years with this guy and she's 26. So she got married at 23, 24, which is young. Yes. And you know what? Like, if this little dalliance with her boss is what helps her stay with her husband for thirty years, forty years, then is that is that such a bad thing? No, but and and I'm with you in that. I don't believe that a a marriage necessarily is falling apart if someone's cheating either. My big issue was the deception. You know what I mean? Like, I'd actually if my husband slept with someone else. I'd actually be more upset if he had like a real emotional connection with someone and I didn't know about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's that's the, kind of the taste I took away from the article was this whole my happy-go-lucky, you know, naive husband isn't is being faithful to me, which maybe he is and maybe he isn't. 
but she kind of sees him as this happy-go-lucky, naive, kind of loyal partner. And she's doing what she needs to do to stay married because she's talking about how she doesn't, she needed to sow her oats and Mm -hmm. all of that. I don't know. It just made me feel sad for the husband because it felt like he's being duped. Well, here, here's the, the, the section I think you're talking about. She says, 10 p.m. I call my husband to say goodnight. He's already in bed watching a TV show in his hotel room. I sound normal and it's all good. I really do love him. If he found out about my affair, I think he would be devastated. But I also think a small part of him might know that this is something I had to do. That even though I love him, I had to do this for me before I could be complete. That hello rationalization party of one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. She's rationalizing it as we, as most humans do, we rationalize these situations. Um, but again, I'm going to say I'm what I'm fascinated by is this idea that she really thinks that she's just so slick, and her husband would just never even consider it. And meanwhile, he's probably pulling a train in his hotel room. You know, like she has no idea. Like she really thinks she's, she, and this is somebody who, this is somebody who is very young and very inexperienced and is, this is probably the first time she's ever done something like this. And there's something very, not only something very illicit about it, but something very glamorous. You know, they go to the Bowery Hotel in New York and they have their, they have their Manhattans and they, you know, she gets her like expensive lingerie and she takes them, takes with her to this hotel and. You know, it's it's very uh, it's very dramatic. You know, right. there is some drama to it, and maybe that is what she like. Maybe she has been with somebody for a long time, and she got bored. You know, right. like I think when we start talking about women cheating, I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't think we've like. I think we're just starting now to um, see that women cheat for the same reason why same re- reason men cheat. And women do the same thing that men do when they cheat is that they rationalize it and they try to make it like she, she truly believes she's doing, this is for the good of her marriage. (laughs) Yeah, she really does believe that, which would make me wonder, how would you feel if you found out your husband was doing this? And there's none of that. Like she even wants to tell her mother, <laughs> you know, the parents come into town and yeah, she's like, oh, I want to split. Oh, that was the other thing she said. She goes, you know, my parents come into town and we were all too tired to cook. So we went out to, di- yeah, out to dinner and, you know, it was a hundred dollars and my husband paid, you know, and that was the right thing to do. Do you not have a job? <laughs> like, right. Why is it the right thing for him to do when you're like, yes, your parents are your guests. And sure, you should be treating them, but you right. both should be treating them. Why is why is that right for him to do? Because she likes the idea of a traditional right. marriage. But then there's the part of her that wants to be wilder and wants to sow those oats, you know what I mean? And you can't good luck having both. I mean, apparently she's doing it, so I guess I shouldn't say anything, but I don't know. I guess I just wouldn't ever want to do anything that it to me, I I do, I don't I don't believe that sex and love have to be mutual. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe that cheating necessarily has to end a marriage. But I guess I just wouldn't want to do something behind my husband's back that would make him wonder why didn't you trust me to talk to me about needing to sow your oats or mm-hmm. whatever it is. You can't have it both ways. You can't have this traditional package that you're violating 
and then not expect him to do the mm-hmm. same, I guess. I don't know. The whole thing sat with me really wrong because of the deception part of it. Yeah, you know, it, the deception didn't really bother me because I truly believe that, um, you know, like there's this guy at my gym that flirts with me. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm sure, like, if his wife knew that he did it, um, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what the story is with their marriage, but he flirts with me probably because it makes him, reminds him that he still has it, you know? I think right. that people do a lot of things uh, when their par- when their partners aren't looking. Like, I think if there are a lot of people who are maintaining, like, Facebook flirtations or who have, you know, like, flirtations at work or, um, you know, I, I don't know, go to sex, like, do, do, I think, go to sex parties. Do I think there are a lot of couples that both parties or one, one or both, they do these things that if their partner knew about it would be shocked and they do it to keep themselves feeling sexual and keep themselves feeling attractive and, and, yeah. and help them feel a little less trapped maybe. <laughs> I don't know. I guess my husband and I are weird because we talk to each other about mm-hmm. stuff like that. Like if he gets flirted with or he flirts with somebody, I, he tells me about it. It doesn't, he doesn't, I don't know. We just have always been honest about stuff like that and always been honest about, oh my God, that person's really attractive or what it, what have you. And again, I think at least she's not, I'm not trying to justify what she's doing, but at least she doesn't seem to have an emotional component because that would destroy me more than the sexual. Absolutely. That's why I like, if you find out your partner could talk to somebody deeply about emotional things Mm -hmm. and they couldn't, do that with you that Absolutely. would be devastating like I, I believe in open marriages sure why not what the hell uh what always scares me is it's not the sex it's what if they fall in love and it you know and that can happen like i don't mm. it's very very hard to just go okay we're gonna have sex and then we're gonna keep everything very contained and then we're gonna leave it it, it can be done of course but yeah. depending on the attraction it's yeah. very hard not to slip into that kind of intimacy, that sort of emotional intimacy. Like you have to be really, you have to stay really uh, conscious of that, I think, because I think it can sneak up on you. Well, I also think she's getting something from this relationship that she's clearly not getting from her marriage. Right, drama. Because she talks about her orgasms and she talks about how her husband is a very traditional guy when it comes to sex and you know, maybe she's getting something from this fling that she could be getting something from her marriage if she just talked to her husband about it. But I think what she's getting from the relationship, I think what she gets from the husband is the stability and the normalcy. And frankly, like to be able to say she's married. You know, do I see this marriage mm-hmm. lasting? No, no, I do not. <laughs> um, because I think, you know, she got married because she, she thought that's what she was supposed to do. You know, oh, it's great. And we, yeah. I think, what, what did they meet in college or something? And it just felt like the next, the natural progression. Um, but I think that, uh, you know, she's eventually going to need more. Like, I think, I think she's bored. I think yeah. she's bored. And I, I think what this guy, what the, the lover brings is uh, he brings that excitement and the drama 
like more than likely, she probably doesn't even like him personally. It's just the drama of it. You know, and her husband, like she really does think her husband's a rube. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, like she just thinks he's just so simple and it's just so sweet and blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and she's bored of it or she wants something more. So she's stepping out. And I, I don't know. I, I like I can't get too worked up about it. I think mainly because I d- I don't think this marriage is going to last. So I'm just like mm, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you, never you never know. know. Oh Barbara. Never know. Well Barbara, it's uh I think it's that time. Do you? Yep. yep. I do. I um, agree. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you said that really quickly. Do you have somewhere to go? <laughs> No, I don't. I just don't think I can say much more about that woman yeah. and her. With you yeah. seem very offended by it. She's, or the, am yeah. I offended? You seem by very it? bothered by it. Well, I am because I think she's she she doesn't seem to be trying to get anything interesting out of her marriage right. first. Oh, that's a very good point. That's that's the offense yeah. I have about it. Try at least try to get it out of your marriage first. If you can't, then either move on or do what you need to do or have an open relationship or whatever it is you do. But don't just assign a role to your partner and be like, well, that's who he is and I'll never get this from him. So, right. But keep in mind her age too. Like she's very, she's a, she's a young 26, you know, she's been with this guy forever. She's been in this relationship forever. She really doesn't have a lot of life experience. And that's part of the reason why like, you know, Oh my God, we're having, we're going to a hotel and having sex. And it's like, do that once. And you're like, "Eh, that was fun. Next. You know, <laughs> she's just hasn't, she's, she's living out these fantasies that she saw. She's, she's seen in, you know, Netflix movies. So yeah, that's true. Anywho, Barbara, I feel so much better after doing this with you. I've been looking forward to this for the last couple of days. Cause I really felt like I needed to connect with somebody healthy and I always like connecting with you. Oh, same. same. Uh, Barbara, we're going to do this again. <laughs> Barbara. <laughs> We will do this again next Tuesday. But guys, thank you so much for listening. And I want to thank the people who have been uh, giving us five-star ratings on uh, iTunes. And please feel free to keep doing that. Uh, You can find us at womenontoppodcast.com or womenontoppod on Twitter, womenontoppodcast on Instagram. Come to the website, read the articles. I'm trying to update them more and more with the dating advice columns and just various essays. Definitely go to the Patreon and become a, a patron and you're getting extra dating advice columns, bonus episodes, and we're going to start up with some interviews as well as the series I'm doing on dating and trauma. We have another uh, installment of that going up this week. Uh, I think that's it. Guys, you're the best. We're on uh, iTunes. You can find us on all your podcast platforms. Thank you so much for listening, you guys. And uh, we'll hear from you. You'll hear from (laughs) Sorry. You'll hear from us soon. Bye. Yes. Bye.